I'm Tash McGill. And I'm Vincent Herringer. And this is The Feed, a weekly wrap of the news, views and skews on New Zealand food, drink and everything in between. The feed is for those who grow food. The ones who make, harvest and forage. Who package, ship and sell food. Most importantly, for those who eat food and like to talk about it. So join us at thefeed.co.nz and now, welcome to The Feed Weekly. This week we discuss comfort foods and lamington bake-offs, closure of a lovable Wellington icon, and we take a deep dive into the challenges of operating at level two Delta for our hardworking people running our bars and restaurants. First, though, let's recap on our lockdown baking challenge. Tash, I've seen many uh, Instagram images coming from your kitchen. What's up? Look, things may have got a little out of hand in the weekend. Uh, There were raspberry lamingtons, custard squares, pumpkin pie, apple pie, uh, so much so that my housemate has begun to liken our fridge to that scene in the castle where they had to move the Commodore to get to the Tirana, except it's uh, (laughs) moving the pumpkin soup to get to the chicken and leek, which is really just about making making our way to the pumpkin pie to get to the apple pie. So, look, lots of adventures going on, but actually a really good way this weekend of unplugging from my computer <laughs> and unplugging from the news cycle uh, and tackling a few challenges. So all in all, uh, look, not not 100% satisfied with the Raspberry Lamington, but I feel like I've cracked the code on, on round two. Uh, same story with the custard square, although making that flaky pastry from scratch is always, mm. always a fun time. And then it was just pastry, 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 pie pastry, pie crust, lettuce top apple pie. Um, so, so frankly, feeling pretty, pre- pretty good. I'm, I'm moving on to uh, pain au chocolat, or basically croissant. I'm moving on to mm, very good making croissant. Do, do, you, do you find that um, you know once you've really cracked the pastry, it, it then becomes just a kind of receptacle for some, anything delicious, and it's actually the pastry that's the key to a good pie. Oh, it's always the pastry that's key to a good pie, unless you're talking about a beef and Stilton, which will be this week's savoury pie challenge. Oh yeah. Mm. Mm. can't go past a good piece of Stilton. No, that's very true. That's very true. Our household, we've had complex dinners. We have a family of six in our bubble. Uh, that's including me. Um, made all the more exciting because we have a vegan. We have, in fact, we have two vegans. We also have one low-fat FODMAP vegan. Uh, mm. And so there are effectively three dinners made every night, um, You know, and then the usual carnivores. Uh, so Sarah Herringer an incredible cook, uh, was, uh, has been exceptionally busy, but has risen to the challenge. And I must say, uh, not good for the waistline because there's also daily baking and 5.30 cocktails every night. I was particularly chuffed with my whiskey sours using aquafaba for the vegans yesterday. The old chickpea juice, eh? They just call it aquafaba to make it sound less like chickpea juice. I know. It's weird stuff. It does make very good meringues, though, don't you think? It, look, the meringues are not bad, but again, if if you're not opposed to using eggs, why wouldn't you? Uh, well, I, you know, there's something quite tangy about the uh, aquafaba meringues, but, but there you go. Uh, if you're not already subscribed to the newsletter be sure to get onto it for some juicy lockdown challenges and content we have some screaming hot editorial coming your way this week so you can subscribe at thefeed.co.nz and if you have a burning question or opinion particularly about anything we've had to say then let us know send it to editor at thefeed.co.nz we are always grateful for your support and now here's the news 
Hospitality Association Chief Executive Julie White reports that insolvency companies are telling her they're getting a lot more inquiries from businesses considering liquidation, when last year there was very little of that happening. Imposing an indoor limit of 50 at hospitality venues in the new Level 2 is another kick in the guts for an industry that's already down. Operators are in a horrific state financially, and this could be the final straw for many, says White. Hospitality venues went along with the idea of mandatory record-keeping and masks because it was an extra layer of protection, and we figured it was something we could live with because we would at least be opening, even though it's not ideal and venues will have to police it. But this is a huge step backwards, she says. It's particularly disappointing for the South Island, where there is no sign of COVID. More on this later in the news. In the happier news, New Zealand's Arapa, a company that's dedicated to supplying plant-based supplements to support brain function, uh, is the only New Zealand company among 12 Asia-Pacific startups that are shortlisted for Rabobank's prestigious global food and agri-discovery program, Food Bites Pitch 2021. You might remember we talked about Food Bites Pitch way back, I think, in episode two. And we also have talked about uh, Arapa in an interview uh, with the founder, Angus Brown, which you will find on, I looked it up, Tash, on August the 18th that was published. You can find that also on our website, Arapa, a wonderful drink, tastes delicious and good for your brain. High-profile Wellington Cafe Prefab is ceasing operations immediately and staff have been given notice of forthcoming redundancy. Delta Lever 2 2 has proved too restrictive for Prefab to open. Prefab Eatery, their 180-seater flagship cafe for the Acme brand, was founded in 2013 by Jeff Kennedy and Bridget Dunn. Uh, We understand that staff have been told this week the decision has been made to cease operations and all cafe positions will be made redundant. Those negotiations have begun. Meanwhile, data gathered from a nationwide survey has revealed that New Zealand's ultimate comfort meal is a classic roast lamb with potatoes. The result comes from a lockdown Kai survey, which polled just under 2,100 Kiwis on their lockdown eating and cooking behaviours. After all the votes were tallied, roast lamb with potatoes won the favour with 36% of the vote and took out the crown as Kiwi's ultimate comfort meal. I endorse that meal entirely. Uh, The survey found that 71% of respondents said they'd been eating more during lockdown and 92% purchasing their food in supermarkets, which just confirms, Tash, that um, trend away from uh, your local greengrocer and uh, straight into the supermarket. Well, options are certainly more limited in uh, in level four, level three, and level two, so no surprise. But look, I'm, I'm I'm glad for the hometown hero the roast lamb to have taken out to have taken out that position and now for the main course look we'd continue to dive into this topic because it's really the big news right now hospitality businesses up and down the country are wrestling with what many are calling the worst possible situation a level 2.5 or delta 2 where their patronage is so limited that for many it's just not worth opening the doors staff reported at length on Wednesday about a collection of 30 hospitality business owners mostly in Auckland who got together on a video conference to discuss the implications of the new alert level 2 settings on the sector and what action was needed to ensure the survival of their businesses when the city eventually comes out of lockdown. It's important to note here that this is actually a step away for these business owners as independents uh, to do some additional work and uh, and lobbying outside of what the industry associations have already been doing. So just so we're clear, under alert level two, which many are calling 2.5, the maximum number of people allowed at at an indoor hospitality venue is 50 and customers and workers need to keep at least one metre apart. 
out. Shaky Isles coffee owner Sam Ainsley has said that Alert Level 2 is just the worst to be in because the businesses don't get support from government or relief from banks or landlords, and it's a very difficult environment to trade in. He said he would not open up his business under the current settings, and other owners have discussed not paying GST in protest, one of those being Luke Dallow. He said that the hospitality industry associations are not lobbying the government enough on behalf of the of the industry and do not fully grasp the challenges that hospitality businesses are facing. In response, Hospitality New Zealand Chief Executive Julie White said last year the organisation had direct conversations with government when the guidelines for operating under Level 2 were established with some input from the Ministry of Health. She says now it's 100% the Ministry of Health running the show and no one is advising them commercially. And she said that their association has already expressed to ministers that it did not accept the level two settings. She said she was meeting with Finance Minister Grant Robertson and the Minister for Small Business, Stuart Nash, this week to outline the strain the hospitality sector was under. She said there needed to be targeted support for the hospitality sector and the resurgent support payment needed to be made a rolling payment rather than a one-off. Restaurant Association Chief Executive Marissa Bidwar said it had been advocating for more targeted support for affected businesses since the start of the pandemic. She says we've been doing a huge amount of lobbying, but frustratingly, much of it is falling on deaf ears. So what is the way out? Late last week, a small group of hospitality owner operators and groups took a slightly different approach and met with David Seymour in an unofficial epidemic response committee. We've captured some of what they had to say, which is largely about how to support their staff and the ongoing requirements necessary to make a COVID level 2.5 or Delta livable. We have a great team and we've been working really hard uh, in the last uh, 10 months to build a team to get it to where we want it. And then um, sort of in, in the four weeks prior to the 17th of August, uh, we had our business to within 5% of where we were at the same time in 2019. So we'd, we were nearly there. We'd nearly got to a stage where we were comfortable, we were managing um, to pay back the debt from the big hole that we had from uh, the lockdowns last year. Uh, and this was in a time of increased wage cost, whether it was through an increased minimum wage, which obviously had a, an inflationary effect on the rest of our, our wage bill, not just the, those that were on a minimum wage previously. Uh, and also that pressure came via the short labour supply, which we know this government really hasn't um, uh, done itself any justice on providing particularly this sector um, tourism alongside it, but particularly this sector is um, previously 25% of our, our our staff were all um, were all visa staff from overseas. Um, so you you can just imagine the hole that we've been working with, with within the last year. Um, we managed to get it back to a to a stable level where we want it, and then we're forced back into um, the current situation. Yeah, sure. So, so I run operations for Good Group in New Zealand, and we've got venues um, in Queenstown and in Auckland. Um, we've got 14 venues. Uh, we've got the Botswana Butchery uh, in Queenstown and Auckland. We've got the White and Wong brand. We've got Harborside, uh, Burger Boy, uh, and we've got a number of bars in Queenstown like Bardo, Bermuda, um, and Harry's Pool Bar. And of course, you know, so we've got we've got venues that sort of um, are in you know all different uh, parts of the sector. Um, we, you know, we uh, we have a staff of over 300 uh, people at the moment. We had that um, in the last, uh, when the last time we went down, and we had to, um, you know, significantly reduce uh, those numbers. You know, more than half. 
um, we've we've taken um, you know this time to, to rebuild the team, and it's been um, it's been it's been uh, you know it's a, it's a huge kind of effort that's been you know, gone ahead to, to get the team together and and, and uh, build the team up again. Um, and of course, as Richard said, we've, you've got um, for us we had about fifty percent uh, people uh, who were actually on visas, and so the, the situation now is that you know, our, our our staff we can't actually afford to let them go. There's just there's no one out there, so we you know, we're committed to, to ensuring that they get their 80 percent of their of their wage. Um, you know, like like Richard said, the two, the two weeks at a time is, is, is really difficult. Um, we have we have opened Queenstown at level three, our two restaurants, to try and get involved in the takeaway. Not not even close to one percent of revenue with takeaway down there. Um, the bars, of course, have to start, shut. Um, level two point five is as uh, you know. We opened down in Queenstown uh, on Wednesday, and uh, you know we, we can't get enough people through those in the venues to make you know some even break even. Um, and and I would probably say that we're not even doing more than fifteen percent, ten fifteen percent of our of our revenue in that at that level. So it's it's pretty difficult. Um, of course, Auckland remains closed, and all our staff are, are waiting around. And, and and there's been a big piece also this year to deal with uh, you know. Uh, well-being and health, you know, um, there's a lot of people have found, you know, found it very difficult. We've spent a lot of effort and time trying helping these people, giving them tools to deal with, uh, you know, uh, all the uncertainty. So that's been a big piece for us, uh, trying to look after our staff. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's been tough. Hospitality to me is the life, the freedom and the meaning of this country. It's, it's an important industry to keep buoyant. I just want to get a really strong point across today that we cannot operate officially in the level 2.5 delta, um, the proposal so far. So what I'm saying is I need a strong voice from you to get that wage subject to continue until level one, David. Also, we do need a targeted payment for hospitality businesses to cover revenue over this lost period of time. I'll expand, expand a bit. Wage subsidy. We'll go back to the partial care. It's all about the staff, mental welfare and security at the moment. Um, can't, I can afford to pay total wages, but continue to deliver this is not going to last. Um, my staff are looking for other employment in other sectors because they can see their friends and family having security in other employment areas. Employment rate, uh, unemployment's 4% at the moment, so there's a lot of jobs out there for people. So I'm losing staff to other jobs, and um, I can't guarantee them... I've just got no vision, so I can't guarantee them a job. They love their jobs at the moment, and they want to be in the industry. And they've, um, but they have uncertainty in, in the job retention at the moment, hospitality. And I'm pretty open about this with them, as I've got to be. The target not us. Even though we are the front line of the industry, there are many layers that expand from this front line and will be affected. The cleaners, the vegetable supply, the milkman, the florist, the advertising, all can see rates, the New Zealand meat supply, and so on and so on. More importantly, my landlord has been very generous and given me an 80% off my rent at levels four and three. He's a businessman who has moral ethics. But at levels 2.5 delta and one, he will start demanding my rent payments. And I think this whole conversation is about our staff. Um, it's not about any one of us on this Zoom call driving Ferraris, because we're not. And it's not about profits, and it's not really about money. It's about the well-being of our staff. Um, I was up at 4 o'clock this morning talking to someone else's staff members who are 
crying on the phone. Um, we cannot continue at this level. This 2.5 or 2.99 level is just a lie by the government because we can't operate at 2.5 delta with 50 people or, and with any restrictions. The government has put out a, um, a guideline for what level two looks like a year ago. We've gone through that. As a lot of other people have said, we've kind of come back in the last few months and we, we had some sort of a decent trade. Um, but then overnight she wakes up um, and she gives us this new 2.5. Um, I recently renegotiated my leases and I've put a COVID clause in there for level three and four, uh, which means I pay reduced rent. However, with 2.5 or 2.9 or Delta two or whatever it is, I don't have a leg to stand on. And so if we go into 2.5 as of this Monday, I will have to let staff go. And um, GST was mentioned before, and a few other payments have been mentioned before. I will pay my staff before I pay the government or anybody else. As a group collectively, we all take care of our own staff. And again, I've got 15 that I'm trying to take care of. But there's also the 650 from Joy Lab, and there's also people that are working in up and down this country that are calling us and asking for support. Some of them are asking for financial support, which is an easy fix. Some of them are asking for mental support, and, and as much as we try and help, we're not we're not psychiatrists, we're not psychologists. Um, we can give advice on business, we can give advice on hospitality, but we can't give advice on the on the damage that's being caused by this uncertainty. Um, and talking about uncertainty, I, I want to just quickly talk about the wage um, subsidy. Um, Richard was saying, you know, last time around we got eight weeks, twelve weeks. At the moment, we're getting two weeks at a time. Um, my staff are worried, and rightly so, that at the two weeks when it's over, they won't be renewed and they'll be out of a job. We, we don't have any certainty and we can't talk to our staff and, and give them certainty of four weeks or six weeks or eight weeks. Also, with this wage subsidy that will not be in place at 2.5 at the moment, we don't want it just for 2.5. We want it beyond that to level one. Our industry is the last one to come on board into, into, this, into um, being open and we'll be the last ones to recover. So we want to let them know that even if we drop down to level one and, and traders are not going to come back to 95%, we want to let them know that they will not lose their jobs. Um, the resurgence fund, which has been appreciated, but I'm sorry, $1,500 minus tax, um, so $1,200 and something dollars doesn't, doesn't even cover my electricity bill, let alone my rent or anything else. So this is a critical point. A lot of people may not have appreciated. They hear you're getting you know, 1500 bucks and then 400 per FTE. You got 50 FTEs, you get 21 grand, but that's pre-tax. Yeah. And then also with the waste subsidy. I mean, instead of it being an allowance, a tax-free allowance, $600 by the time you take away tax and perhaps a student loan, some of my staff are getting paid $420 a week in the hand. That, that's not enough. That's not enough for anyone. And, and in the Auckland context, that's, that's, that's not rent if you're That's not even rent, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's not even rent. So, so we're not asking for anything new. We're asking for uh, programs that are already in place. We're asking for the waste subsidy to be increased or as far as not so much money, or that would be nice, but, you know, extended. We're asking for the resurgence fund to be um, paid out either weekly or bi-weekly, monthly, but we need to know that we're going to have support further than $1,500 minus GST. Um, and we're asking for a clear, concise level changes that are not going to change weekly. Level two was level two, and we all know how to operate on the level two. The yeah. 50 PAX restrictions is absolutely bullshit, but we will deal with that if we have to, but don't change the rules because we're negotiating with banks and landlords that are working long term. They're not working week to week. Those were the voices of Richard Bagnell from The Long Room in Auckland, Hamish Klein, operations manager for The Good Group with venues up and down the country, and Luke Dallow, 
owner of Midnight Gardener in Ponsonby. Lastly, you heard Ophia Udalevich, owner of the Jefferson in Auckland, as well as a couple of establishments in Commercial Bay and the Auckland fish market. Well, that's very interesting to hear, isn't it? It's like uh, Delta 2 is neither one thing nor the other. It's neither open nor closed. You you fall between the cracks uh, of support. Either you've got business, uh, you've got customers coming in and doing business with you, or you've got support from government. But in 2.5 or Delta 2, you get nothing. And what it seems to me, Tash, is uh, the only thing that you've really got going for you is if you're a small outfit. If you're a small venue, that can take a, uh, less than 50 people and, and break even. That is, I think, the actual truth of it. It's where the business model actually makes all of the difference as to what navigating the next little while will look like. I think there's also a big strategy gap. You know, very. It's clear that um, to you know to to use some of the words that that have been bandied around media, uh, Delta has changed the game, and with a change in the rules. Uh, needs to be a change in the tactics, I think. And so these ideas about uh, creating the resurgence payment as a rolling payment um, and even discussing or looking at what do the wage subsidies need to look like uh, if, in fact, Auckland taking the brunt of the level four lockdown um, mm. doesn't get the same lockdown wage subsidy benefits that other regions in the country are. Um, so I think there's there's desperately needed a rethink. It, the comment that's really interesting to me is is what Marissa from uh, the Restaurant Association said in terms of the the lobbying, the pleas, the uh, the arguments falling on deaf ears. The uh, same sentiment is reflected by the Road Transport Forum, who I know uh, everyone knows they are serial complainers. However, in the case of the um, testing, uh, COVID testing for truckies on the Auckland border uh, was just kind of announced, you know, with no consultation. And that's not right. It's not fair on industry to not be consulted when they're the ones that are going to be you know, carrying the, the the weight of the policy decisions. So is it possible that uh, a certain amount of, dare I say it, um, arrogance has crept into the policy makers and the decision makers around lockdown policy? I think that that is entirely possible, which is, you know, unusual for me to agree with you so quickly. You barely had to convince <laughs> me over the line on that one. Uh, but uh, again, I think we've had the we've had the fortunate position of of sitting somewhat isolated from the rest of the world and being able to watch and see how many of the world's greatest cities uh, have faced some of these challenges and how various world economies have have reacted. And whilst I'm certainly not in the 100% take your mask off and learn to live with it camp, I am in favour of cities that have been innovative and supportive of their hospitality industries by opening up licensing and um, flexibility to allow restaurants to open on pavements and footpaths, to open up more mm. public spaces for public outdoor dining to make it possible for businesses to uh, continue to operate in a self-fulfilling, self-sustaining kind of way. Um, mm. And I think it's disappointing when we see really half of a solution being announced, which is, okay, we need to move to this different type of level two, and yet still no 
change in those strategies or those flexible licensing moves or, um, you know, the right kind of consents being readily and easily available from councils in order to support what national government are doing with, you know, localised regional government. Yeah, absolutely. But I think in this case, the dictates are coming from Wellington. They're coming straight out of the Ministry of Health, um, not from uh, operators on the ground like local councils who are interpreting, you know, typically you would interpret, you know, an overall principle and apply it in your local conditions. Well, that's not not what's happening. Uh, it was uh, Councillor Richard Hill uh, on Auckland Council uh, was uh, talking only yesterday about the need to change the rules about outside dining so that more people can attend um, uh, restaurants and bars and comply with the distancing rules. And the only way to do that is to have spillover into the outside. You wouldn't want to do that actually this week with hailing at our house. <laughs> well, well, you yeah. wouldn't, but but you know what? They they activated that in New York nearly a year ago, and people sat in outdoor dining spaces in the middle of a New York winter. I've been to New York in winter. That's chilly. I think it would mm. compare to a little bit of, of rain and hail. And, of course, it's actually not just Auckland businesses that are suffering. Even though Auckland's taking the brunt of this longer level four lockdown, um, there is, in fact, another flow-on impact of that, which is what happens when Aucklanders stop moving around the country. Mm. Uh, yeah, well, that used to be welcomed by people because they were quite happy for Auckland to be quarantined, I think. Um, but it turns out Aucklanders do spend a lot of money when they leave home. So um, you really see the impact on, on you know, places that typically would get a, a deluge of Aucklanders and public holidays, the Queenstowns, the Rotoruas, the Wellingtons, uh, may even affect people's affection for Aucklanders, do you think? <laughs> As somebody said, as somebody said on Twitter this week, I better never hear anyone mention the term Jaffa again. <laughs> oh, once a Jaffa, always a Jaffa. I think also the the perception that there is a perception that uh, in the South Island we are a little bit more protected is kind of true. You know, there is a giant moat, but uh, it's a connected country, right? There are daily flights, there are daily ferry crossings taking trains and trucks full of things and people, stock, um, essential workers. It's quite a porous border in that regard. And the um, and so, you know, these things are nuanced, aren't they? You know, we, we uh, the, the move to level two was frustrating for some, or 2.5 was very frustrating for people, but actually there's a case to be made for continuing diligence on um, COVID protection. Uh, what do you think, Tash? Or uh, should they have um, should should the South Island be been let go and Party Central? Oh, look, I feel torn between that. I mean, yes, we have a porous border, but technically, you know, so many of those essential workers should be going, you know, should be undergoing some of that mandatory testing um, now that we've got, you know, some of that border control stuff in place. And I think, for goodness sake, uh, Auckland's most southern border is a very, very long way away from uh, from even Nelson or Christchurch or uh, Queenstown itself. So, so there is a part of me that really feels that tension of the South Island still being in a level two when actually no COVID and, you know, if we are keeping up with those testing regimes, then really very little opportunity for it to get there. Mm, if we are. So many nuances to this, uh, so much territory unexplored uh, before. 
Um, it's an ongoing story and just terrible news, really, for the hospitality industry just continuing on and on. It's the rolling wall. Mm, it certainly is. And I think, you know, as we're going to continue exploring over the next couple of weeks, uh, there's a there's a long chain effect, a long tail effect through the supply chain on what that looks like. So fewer hospitality venues means less demand for growers and suppliers. Uh, there's also impact on those growers and suppliers that we've just barely begun to scratch the surface on. Um, but, you know, an outstanding piece on Country Calendar uh, last week. Um, really diving into what some of those COVID lockdown struggles look like for growers and producers. There have to be, I think, uh, if there was one thing that I that I would say is is really starting to uh, to grind my gears, it's a lack of adaptive and flexible strategy as the rules mm. of the game change as we move forward. And that's really the kind of leadership that we need to be seeing at an industry level, uh, but also at a local council level and then at a national level. So wherever you are in the city, maybe it's time to... Uh, think hard and fast about your upcoming local elections Ooh, controversial okay. yeah what's happening in this week's uh, food and history look there's just one thing to celebrate and i'm going to celebrate it i've been to the i've been to the home of kentucky fried chicken uh, and i can say that it is with joy i celebrate is that an onihanga <laughs> it is not an onihanga it's in fact in, huh. uh, in the united states in the southern states of the united states uh, but this week in food history in 1890 harland sanders he would go on to become lieutenant colonel sanders he was born near henryville indiana and he was the founder of the kentucky fried chicken fast food restaurant chain 11 secret herbs and spices and of course you know so many people have gone their whole lives not worrying about what was in the 11 secret herbs and spices but they're afraid to get a vaccine or 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 uh, let alone where's the chicken bean I asked my daughter once about, um, did she think that the picture of uh, Colonel Sanders was actually Colonel Sanders? She was 100% convinced that that was the guy. Isn't it the guy? It's not the guy. It's an actor. I'm sure it's the guy. That is not the guy. I'm sure it's a caricature of the original guy. No, that is not the guy. Uh, if you would like to get involved in this conversation, join us on any of our social media channels, The Feed NZ, or head along to thefeed.co.nz. We'll be back with more news, views, opinion, and hopefully some strategic ways forward out of this mess. We'll see you next week. Ciao.